This is Mindful Mostly. What's going on? It's a show for those of us who are mindful most of the time. It's all about easygoing wellness, modern mindful living, and uh, life stuff. I'm Andrea Collins. On today's episode, we're talking about mindful entertaining. Now, this includes no alcohol, low alcohol, and full-blown alcohol classic cocktails, and how to incorporate wellness into your sipping game. Plus, we'll be talking about elevated mixes using teas and foraged flora from the wild, extracting flavors from nature, garnishes for the holidays, and so much more. How good does that sound? To talk about it, Evelyn Chick is here. She is a certified specialist of spirits and certified sommelier. She's the founder of EC Projects. This is an online creative hub for drink enthusiasts, including virtual cocktail classes. Plus, this episode is brought to you by Seedlip. It's the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirits designed with the cocktail experience in mind. This stuff is beautiful. I can 100% vouch for that. Seedlip is all about a love of nature, flavor, and design. Each of Seedlip's three variants, there's Aromatic Spice 94, that's my favorite, Herbal Garden 108, and Citrus Forward Grove 42. They have no alcohol, calories, or sugar. It's a complex blend of botanical distillates crafted by way of traditional methods, and you can taste it. Seedlip is a sophisticated alternative to alcohol. It solves the dilemma of what to drink when you're not drinking. And Seedlip can be served simply with a splash of quality tonic or used to craft elevated non-alcoholic cocktails. You know, holiday entertaining in the age of alternatives means that hosts are looking for flavorful options to welcome every guest. So that's what, dairy-free, alcohol-free, plant-based, whatever their taste or preference may be. It's just good hospitality these days to have options for people, right? Just like if you know the vegetarian or the vegan or the gluten-free person is coming for dinner, it's nice to have options on hand for the non-drinker that's not just, you know, soda water and lemon. Snooze. So to celebrate the holidays and set you up for mostly mindful January resolutions, Seedlip is offering our North American listeners an exclusive 10% off all orders on SeedlipDrinks.com. You just use the promo code MINDFUL10 at checkout. You have my word. This stuff is beautiful. All right, let's talk to Evelyn. What we're talking about today is sort of getting us all inspired for the upcoming holiday season, hospitality, inclusivity, wellness when it comes to having a cocktail, having a cocktail whether it be alcoholic or non-alcoholic. And there's been a lot of interest lately in the no or low alcohol beverage movement. Some would call it the sober curious movement. Some would call it just, hey, I don't feel like drinking tonight, but I want to have a beautiful cocktail. Why do you think that it's become so popular? And being somebody that's worked in some of the coolest bars, I have to say, when did you start seeing this happening a bit more? So I think in terms of the low and no movement, it's sort of been building up in the last five or six years. Um, So I believe that in Europe, 
um, mainly the UK, like there's a bunch of studies that's been done um, about the consumption of alcohol and with with sort of people who are at a younger age, maybe 25 to 30, they've found that the consumption the consumption of alcohol has actually decreased by about 15%. And there's a lot of studies being done by that. I think a lot of people are sort of going towards that, like, really, um, like, self-love, you know, mindful, healthy lifestyle. Um, people are getting into, like, lower sugar um, serves, like, maybe more premiumization of the different things that they pick to drink or to eat. So um, it seems like it's sort of um, picking up speed in North America in the last, I would say, five to six years. And I really kind of love that movement. And um, a lot of people, you know, have written about it being a trend. And I don't necessarily think it's a trend because it's a trend that's here to stay. And um, it's so much about kind of like getting to a point where you think about your um, your physical health, your mental health, and how alcohol sort of plays in that whole realm of things. So I think like it's a pretty natural progress for people to start um, exploring different types of drink serves other than just really high ABV, you know, like all brown spirits. Um, ABV means alcohol by volume. So something that's like a little bit lower that you can enjoy more of. Yeah. And yeah, because I think about how I feel on my first cocktail and like I feel pretty good. But then I think about how I feel on my third cocktail and I don't feel that good. So I like the I love the idea of, of no or or low. How would you do low? Like, do you just do less of the alcohol and more of the other good tasting stuff? Or how would you describe a low cocktail? I think there's definitely a lot of options out there. So for a low alcohol beverage, I would say that um, in general, it'd be about under 14% alcohol by volume. So it doesn't mean, it doesn't necessarily have to mean that it's just lower, um, a lower measurement of the high alcohol offerings, but it could be something like a fortified wine, like a sherry based drink or even a wine based drink. Um, something, uh, maybe you've never thought of like a vermouth found in like the back of your mom's cabinet or something like that. But I think with a low alcohol serve, it's more just being creative as to what you use for the base spirit of it. And then when it comes to the no alcohol, like, and you can still craft beautiful cocktails without actually having ingredients that have alcohol in them. And it makes me think of just how, you know, we have dairy alternatives, meat alternatives now. And now it makes sense that we have spirit alternatives where you still get this bespoke, elevated feeling of enjoying a beautiful beverage Whereas so often we associate that with alcohol, where, whereas it doesn't have to at all. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with, you know, kind of um, thinking about your drinking experience like you were mentioning earlier, um, you know, first cocktail goes down pretty well by the third cocktail. Like, are those flavors that you're looking for necessarily there? Or is it just like, you know, the effects of alcohol that's kicking in? So I think for the no alcohol beverages, you almost have to put a little bit more thought into it because the base isn't sort of supported by uh, the texture necessarily, or, you know, the flavors of alcohol. So yeah, in the last sort of five or six years, there's a bunch of emerging categories um, for alternatives like non-alcoholic distillates, um, non-alcoholic beer that sort of mimics some of the flavors we might like from alcohol, um, but just done in a different way. So I don't think it's about like not drinking or um, drinking a lot. I think it's just about providing options. Um, and also you don't want to be that person 
um, at an event or something that's pinpointed and identified as not drinking because mm-hmm. you're holding like a soda and bitters, you know, mm-hmm. so you want to feel included and, and those particular drinks should look like you would if you were having an alcoholic beverage. So you don't feel isolated in that particular, you know, event. Mm-hmm. That makes me think of some of the days if I would be at like a work uh, banquet dinner or something, and then the vegetarian at the table, their meal would come out totally separately. And they'd be like, who's the vegetarian? I have the vegetarian option here. And it was like this whole this whole thing of singling out the vegetarian, which wouldn't happen as much anymore because it's so absolutely normal. But it's the same for, for alcohol. It would be like, John, do we have anything non-alcoholic here? You know, whereas those days are it before it was uncool to not drink alcohol and now it's just as just as acceptable if not encouraged in a bar i imagine not all bars though like in somebody that's worked in the hospitality industry for for years and you're, you have so much experience in it do you find that there's been an evolution with bars too that if they know that they've got to have these sorts of cocktails or else they're going to lose a huge part of their clientele yeah, I think so. Um, I would say that, you know, exactly your point. If you go around and be like, okay, who's having the non-alcoholic drink? Or uh, some people are even, you know, a little bit more crass than that. Be like, oh, are you on your period? Or, you know, are you pregnant? Or it's just like right. a, a lot of assumptions being made as to why someone doesn't drink. And essentially it's their prerogative, right? So mm-hmm. um, I find that recently, especially really nice cocktail bars have put quite a bit of effort into kind of making uh, that offering known and very present on the menu as well. So it doesn't seem out of place for someone to ask for, oh, hey, can I have something non-alcoholic, but maybe citrusy? They would just essentially spell out the name of the cocktail, probably very well curated on the exact menu. So they're not, again, isolated in that experience. So mm-hmm. it's starting to happen. I would say it might take a little bit until, you know, the super late night spots start doing that. But um, who knows about late night anyway, these days? Mm-hmm. Well, that yeah, that brings up the whole, the whole situation of, uh, you know, depending on where you live, the bar might not be open. There may be no indoor dining. You're doing a lot of entertaining at home. And perhaps it's just you and your household that are doing this entertaining or you and your friends over Zoom. So how would you describe, maybe you can paint a picture for us, mindful entertaining at home? Um, so I love hosting dinner parties and I love hosting, um, you know, every holiday I have something themed that I make up and, um, everyone obviously like points to me and like, okay, you're the bartender. You need to make us everything. And, mm-hmm. uh, it, it is so often an alcoholic serve, but, um, there are, especially, you know, with so many different like cultures, so many different, like, you know, um, religious preferences of like individuals who come together for these you know, holidays or special occasions, you want to make sure that everyone feels inclusive. So mindful entertaining to me looks like you're providing that sort of same experience to your guests from every walk of life, from every sort of like food and drink preference. So say, for example, if there are a few, um, you know, guests who come to your house for dinner and they're vegan, you obviously want to cater to that um, particular um 
you know, preference for food. So you would just do the same thing with drinks. Um, so sometimes when I put out a punch um, for a larger uh, gathering, larger right in the sense is probably like, you know, six people in your bubble these days. But um, if I were to put out a punch that is, you know, rum based and um, with different spices, I would try to do something like that that's non-alcoholic that, you know, maybe the kids can have as well, but it's a little bit more interesting than just throwing together like a Shirley Temple. So kind of making it look um, like you have put a lot of thought into making sure that all of your guests are enjoying the same way. Mm-hmm. Do you think wellness and cocktails can merge? Yeah, absolutely. I actually, you know, on my personal um, Instagram page, I dedicated all of October um, because, you know, Sober October is such a big thing in our industry. And I think it's nice to sort of just take a little pause from kind of having um, alcoholic beverages. So I did a whole month of dedicating that to, you know, a, like well, a series of wellness cocktails. So um, most of them are low sugar with um, sort of no, um, you know, artificial flavorings. It's mostly natural flavorings. Um, most of them are low and no alcohol alternatives. I've even thrown in some like cannabis cocktails in there um, with like a CBD dissolvable powder, stuff like that. So I definitely think cocktails and wellness can merge. You just might have to do a little bit more homework um, to find out sort of what options you can offer in that category. So a lot of people are super into kombucha and I love stuff like that. It's really good for you. Um, it's great for digestion and, um, you know, things like, um, you know, shrubs and tonics, like those are actually fantastic. Mm. So you might just have to do a little bit of research as to what you put in those ingredients, just to make sure it is actually nice and like filled with vitamins and um it's not over extracted and it doesn't like harm anybody um when you make that but i definitely think that's such a great little tie-in so you don't think we should just be like taking our probiotics crushing them up and using them as a rimmer probably not (laughs) (laughs) acquired taste right probably doesn't taste so good anyway but uh Yeah, it's nice though having something just beautiful to sip. And uh, yeah, looking at your Instagram, what's your Instagram handle again? It's it's at Evelyn. Evelyn. So it's just okay. like last name. <laughs> Very simple. That's amazing that you got that, by the way. Yeah, okay. these cocktails are so beautiful. Holy smokes. Your garnish game is like I want to know what kitchen utensils that you have. Okay, I'm asking you now. What kitchen utensils do you have to make these beautiful garnishes happen? Honestly, I would say a regular kitchen would work really well. And um, it's funny because my girlfriends ask me all the time, they're like, how do you have time to do this? And like, I don't know. But sometimes like a little bit of creativity when you say like, look at a fruit, like I, I did visual arts as a major in university. So I guess I just look at like the you know, space within a particular ingredient. I just sort of see like the negative and the, and, and the different angles you can do it at. So it's, it's as simple as like a a nice kitchen knife and a little bit of creativity with your fruits. That's it. Mm. (laughs) I wish it was more like exciting. (laughs) I went to this, um, kitchen store, my husband and I on Friday nights, we've started a cocktail Friday since the pandemic began and we just stay in and we blast music and we make cocktails. We go through our co- little cocktail um, book that we have in our little bar cart and we try to get adventurous. And then, so since we were getting more into it, I went to this bar store and I got him some fancy peeler, which I have to say is is quite nice. But I I wondered as I was buying it, like, could I just be doing this with a regular paring knife at home or a regular peeler? 
Yeah. And your answer is yes. Yeah. (laughs) What about when I see bartenders light things on fire? Like, like, uh, Take a little lighter to a piece of fruit. What's going on there? Oh, so if you are, if we're looking at sort of a citrus peel, it um, what it does, it, it helps sort of caramelize a little bit of that um, aroma, like from the sweet oils that are coming out. So instead of, um, you know, smelling that like beautiful, like fresh aroma from the citrus, it smells a little bit like burnt and homely. So I think that works well on like an old fashioned or something that, you know, lends itself to something that needs a burnt citrus aroma. So imagine if you were to um, sort of brulee a uh, meringue or something like that, like it kind of gives it that like toasty element to it. Mm. So you would take the orange rind mm-hmm. and you would light it with, let's say, your your lighter. And how long do you hold the flame to it? Um, I would say not more than five seconds. So go five Mississippi, four Mississippi, three Mississippi, two, and then the one you would squeeze it. I always do the okay. Mississippi because everyone counts it differently somehow. <laughs> yeah. And then you drop that in, like you would put that on the rim or you would put it straight into the cocktail. Let's say it's like a, yeah. Some, some sort of, I would say, no or low alcohol cocktail or alcoholic beverage, you would drop it right in? Yeah, I guess it depends. Like um, if you drop it right in, it kind of um, allows for the oils to continue being released throughout the duration in which you're enjoying the drink and it makes it a little bit bitter as you go. But bitterness isn't a bad thing. I think it's great sometimes like for balance. So I guess it depends on the drink. Actually, I'm so into bitterness in cocktails. I think it's my favorite flavor right now and seed lip. They, they are so good at getting that flavor of, you know, the experience you might get from drinking alcohol, but in a, in, in a non-alcoholic spirit, you would, you would call it. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. It's got that earthy, bitter flavor, some of its blends. How would you incorporate that into a cocktail? Yeah. So I would look at Seedlip, which is a non-alcoholic distillate, as something that you would use, um, not in terms of substituting a um, particular spirit by any means, but as something that adds a little bit of um, like botanicals and flavors. So I like working with a few of them. Um, my favorite is probably the Spice 94, which has different types of aromas and flavors like clove, allspice, mm. uh, and that's so good. Delicious. Yes. And then the garden, which is a little bit more sort of green and savory, I would say uh, a little bit more like sagey, like it's got green peas, stuff like that. Um, so I would definitely use it differently in terms of where I would substitute it for something that um, I probably would do as an additive. So I wouldn't go, oh, this is this calls for an ounce of gin. I'm just going to substitute an ounce of seed lip in it because it's also a lot more astringent. The flavors are a lot more concentrated. Um, because it's a non-alcoholic distillate. So I would just kind of, um, you know, think about those flavors and look at what I can pick out from it. For example, Spice 94, as I mentioned, has like clove allspice elements to it. Then I would probably think about something that would go with that, like an like a something with orange or something with cinnamon or something that's a little bit more fall driven, um, maybe some like agave and lime, you know, just kind of trying to pick out flavors, how you would sort of make a dish, think about those and then pair something with it that either contrasts it or complements it. I even love the word botanicals. It's like, mm, I want to drink that, you know, it just sounds good. Yeah. I, well, especially when you mentioned that you like the bitterness in cocktails and you like that sort of um, bitterness um, in terms of like the back of your palate, like 
these distillates lends really well to bitterness because it pulls out all these beautiful botanicals and these flavors and it makes things a lot more interesting than just your, you know, sodas, citrus and sugar. Yeah, I, you know, hearing you say that, I feel like my my bar game is not happening lately. I rely on the same types of ingredients like you just said like citrus, sodas, tonic, mostly yeah, some orange, some lemon, some lime. But it doesn't get very creative. Can you give us some inspiration going into the uh, in the into the holidays with not just mixers but also garnishes that look really nice? Yeah, so it's actually pretty simple. Um, I think you know when we look at a certain type of fruit or we look at a certain type of ingredient, um, there's a finite amount of ways that you think you can you know play with it, but it's actually you know, the possibilities are endless. So um, what I really like to do is uh, use the power of teas. So I like sort of, you know, you mentioned botanicals and how that's really interesting. And uh, tea as a category I often find is overlooked. You know, it's it's usually in the bottom of the menu. You either get English breakfast or orange pico or mint or green, but there's actually so many different types of teas out there. So um, with someone who really sort of likes that bitterness, can do a little bit of tannic quality at the end. I love sort of using teas instead of sodas as a lengthener. Um, so going back mm. to the idea that I was talking about uh, during the fall, I love making this punch recipe. That's just like a really nice green jasmine tea with some pear juice, which you normally probably wouldn't pick in the grocery store, but it's got really nice texture and it's something different and very fall oriented. Um, you know, you throw some honey in there, some citrus, um, again, like not refined sugars. It's very natural. Um, and then you add some seed lip spice 94. Now you have a cocktail that tastes, you know, allspice, uh, cinnamon, clove, pear, fall-ish, and like it's got like a really nice sort of texture to it. And if you feel like so that, oh, it's so good. And it's so easy, you know, like it's all these ingredients that I listed and you just throw it all in a bowl and there's your punch. Um, and so you would brew, would you brew the tea and then leave it to cool, put it in the fridge for when you're ready? Yep. Yeah, it's as simple as that. And what I usually do for uh, teas for cocktails is that I follow the instructions of how long to brew it because after you brew tea for a certain amount like the bitterness comes out um sort of if you left a tea bag in a cup of tea for too long you start finding that the bitterness comes out at the end so whatever uh the tea company advise as a, a proportion of tea for that um i usually just do that but times the portions or times the um, amount of tea leaves or amount of tea bags you would normally put in a cup by two. So it strengthens the flavors a little bit and it stands out in the cocktail. Could you also, if you wanted to, can you instill, is the word instill or distill? Just like if you, can you take tea and put it in, let's say vodka and leave it for a couple of weeks and have an Earl Grey vodka? Oh yeah. So, um, the word's actually infuse. Um, infused. Okay. So, yeah, infusions really easy. So it's essentially just one raw material put in normally alcohol, um, and that kind of extracts flavor um, from that particular whatever ingredient you put in. So absolutely, you can do that. Um, teas are actually the easiest infusions because it the flavors come out so quickly. So mm. if you want to make an Earl Grey vodka or an Earl Grey gin, I would honestly just leave it steeping um, overnight or even a few hours, depending on how strong you want it to be, and just remove it, remove the tea leaves. And now you have a, a completely different ingredient. Do you heat up the alcohol or just literally put the tea bags into the gin or vodka or whatever it may be and leave it? 
yeah, you don't have to heat it up. You can just leave it. Um, it's same thing as like a cold maceration of, you know, say if like someone were to make an iced tea and they want like the light floral flavors to come out instead of um, the quick steep process, which is adding heat to it. It just is a slower process, but it kind of preserves that like really sort of delicate flavors that teas give you. Mm, that's nice. How could we make a a blend of like natural ingredients to mix in with a cocktail. When I say cocktail, I mean low, al no alcohol, low alcohol or alcohol. That's how I'm going to say cocktail now. So if you're having a cocktail, whatever it may be, and you want to infuse some herbal natural elements into it, what would we do? Because I asked this because this summer I actually went out with a forager and um, she showed us how to gather things from the forest to make forest tea. And so it was spruce tips, it was pine, it was all sorts of things. And I was just blown away by how beautiful this tea tasted. It tasted like forest. And I was thinking, oh man, it would be really neat to to leave this for a while and see what would come out of it and make a, make a cocktail out of it. Do you have any recipes for something like that? Yeah. So, I mean, that's so lovely that you went out with a forager and that because I love doing things like that. It kind of um, brings you to think about, you know, how your ingredients actually end up in your plate and kind of using mother nature and using the ingredients that she's provided us is such an interesting way to introduce these like brand new, um, never thought of botanicals in your cocktails. So when I was running a bar program in one of my previous bars, I actually made a bunch of tea concentrates that are a little bit more rooty, um, kind of based off of the flavors you were talking about. Um, when, you know, some fresh spruce comes in, I usually dry them and I make them into a tea. And what I do is I concentrate it. So I reduce it kind of like how you reduce gravy, <laughs> but you, you make a tea out of it and you reduce it, uh, to a certain point. And then what I would do is add some natural sugars to it so I can sweeten it with honey or I'll sweeten it with you know some um, coconut sugar or something like that and turn it into like a semi syrup and if mm. you're getting really sort of like into the into the mixology scheme of things and you want to get a little you know nerdy in and put some chemicals in it to preserve it because you're not going to use it for a while you can stabilize it so stabilizers can be like glycerin or something like that but that I feel like is to the extreme, but as someone who's just kind of picking it up and making it at home, it's actually really easy to throw together some botanicals and just think about like reducing it um, in terms of concentrating the flavors. I love that. What's the general recipe for a simple syrup? Simple syrup, because could you, you could make a simple syrup and then put any of these elements that we've just spoken about into it, whether it be lemon zest or strawberries or spruce or pine or a who knows, a pine cone, <laughs> a stick, <laughs> yeah. whatever you find. Yeah. Uh, a simple syrup is actually as simple as it, as it sounds. It's just one part water and one part white sugar. So if you say you want to make a pine simple syrup, then I would just um, make a pine tea out of, you know, your collected ingredients and strain it out. Um, in hot water. So you do boil it this time because you want to extract more flavors quickly. Quickly. So what you would do is just essentially um, grab the uh, infused water or steeped water and then just mix it with um, equal parts sugar. So if you were to do 100 grams of water to say 20 grams of pine needles and then you would just boil it, strain it out like a tea and then you would just add 20 grams of sugar into it. That sounds like such a nice um, Christmas gift. Right? Little homemade elixirs. Mm -hmm. 
I love that idea. And I love this idea of like infusing nature into your, your cocktail game and your beverage experience and having a little bit of soda with a pine, like a forest simple syrup mixed into it with a beautiful garnish. It just sounds so, so beautiful. Yeah. I mean, and it's, and it's natural, you know, you're using the ingredients that are provided for you from, you know, your environment. I think that's so romantic and really nice. Yeah. There's a real, when I went out with that forager this summer, you know, she, she blew me away. She was this really cool woman who lived out in the wilderness with her boyfriend and they walked around barefoot and, you know, and they ate everything that grew around them more or less. And, and they had a use for pretty much everything in her beautiful yard, which was a couple of acres. She took us for a walk around there and just showed us like, you can use this, you can use this. Um, and I thought it was really interesting. She said, we're taught growing up in North America, lots of times that, uh, eating nature, eating plants in nature could poison you. Oh no, don't eat that. It'll make you sick. Whereas most times that's not the case, you know, and we've been sort of conditioned to not appreciate what grows around us every day and to just go to the grocery store. Whereas if you actually look into it, there's so many wonderful things we can eat that are full of antioxidants that are as local as they get. And they're grown right in our backyard. And you might not want to eat those if you live on a busy street. <laughs> and that's, that's the one patch of grass, let's say, outside of your apartment. But I mean, if you go to a park, there's something there that's that nature is giving us absolutely free right outside of our door. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it just takes a little bit of study, studying, um, you know, those particular um, botanicals and see whether or not they're safe for consumption. But I grew up in Asia. So I grew up in Hong Kong. And, you know, being in the city, it's always like that, too. You know, you're so used to going into the store and picking up something that's prepackaged for you. But uh, my grandmother, uh, she her family had a farm um, closer to mainland China and essentially all the roots and vegetables that we drink in our you know daily elixirs and daily soups are all found from the ground so I think it's just thinking about it in a different way and approaching it and not being nervous about what you're going to try um, after you've done some research so Trinity Bellwoods actually has a bunch of sumac just growing around and sumac mm -hmm. is an interesting ingredient to use, and it gives it this like crazy floral element to um, your dishes or your drinks. And it's just grown in the middle of Trinity Bellwoods. Mm -hmm. Trinity Bellwoods, if you're not, uh, if you don't live in Toronto, is a, an inner city park, which you're saying, yeah, like th there's ingredients everywhere. And sumac, it's good. I actually learned about that too. You can make these sumac infused lemonades, and they've been doing it for tens of thousands of years. So I encourage you wherever you live, Grab a um, foraging or wild edibles book for your region or do a quick Google search and see if there's a forager in your area because you'll learn so much. And a lot of these ingredients you can incorporate into your foods and you can also incorporate into your cocktails and your mixers for the holiday season, which we've heard today. Now, Evelyn, um, can you tell us a bit about these online courses that you're doing? Yeah. So um, during COVID, I had sort of put a lot of my brain power and energy into uh, EvelynChickProjects.com. So it is essentially a creative hub for drink enthusiasts, just like yourself. And it houses actually a ton of really, really great recipes, um, both with or without alcohol. So if you're looking for simple syrups or interesting syrups or, you know, cordials, tapaches, whatnot, you can actually find a bunch of um a bunch of recipes there. 
And um, with that, I also host a bunch of online uh, virtual bartending classes. So if you're, say, um, having a birthday, but you know you want to make sure that you're hanging out with friends but safely, um, so we just throw up a Zoom class, and you can actually have a really nice cocktail social hour. Uh, myself or my team of awesome bartenders who've worked at award-winning bars will walk you through a couple classic cocktails. And um, yeah, it's really fun. It's very interactive. And if you want, and you don't want to lift a single finger and buy any of the ingredients, uh, we have a service which we deliver a cocktail kit, um, either based out of classics or custom to you and your particular occasion. And we just send it right to your door with contactless delivery. That sounds so fun. That sounds like a good way to shake up a Friday night. You know, oh, that sounds uh -huh. way more fun than just grabbing a, a recipe off the internet, actually having a professional um, on the Zoom call with you and your friends. It sounds so fun and like exactly like the distanced social interaction that I need right now. So thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, Evelyn, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, you're so welcome. And it was totally my pleasure. And it was so nice to chat to you about all these different delicious drinks. Don't you just want to go outside now and find something to stick on the side of your glass and muddle up and extract all the flavors from and just make a beautiful cocktail? That is how you mindfully entertain, my friends. Thank you so much to Evelyn Chick, who is on the show today. You can find her resources and cocktail classes and everything at EvelynChickProjects.com. Big thanks to today's sponsor, Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirits designed with the cocktail experience in mind. They've got three variants, Aromatic Spice 94, Herbal Garden 103, and Citrus Forward Grow 42. No alcohol, no calories, no sugar. It's simply a complex blend of botanical distillates crafted by way of traditional methods, and it's beautiful. Remember, as we're approaching the holidays and your mostly mindful January resolutions, Seedlip is offering Mindful Mostly North American listeners an exclusive 10% off all orders at seedlipdrinks.com. Use the code word MINDFUL10 at checkout. In the meantime, if you want to reach out to me, hit me up. You can do so at Mindful Mostly on the gram, Andrea at MindfulMostly.com, and we'll talk to you next week right here on Mindful Mostly. Hee-hoo! <laughs> <laughs>